engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. I'm back. Welcome. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving or returning to healthy eating <laughs> and all that stuff. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I guess I should get into this call screening program. We're even going to play Christmas music. Do you know why? Because last week, before I got off the air, people were already sending me angry emails asking why we weren't. So we are. I really was of the opinion that I was going to just take like one song, for example, Oh Holy Night. And today, every single time we went to break, we were going to play a different version of it. And tomorrow, Silent Night, and then O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And my wife said that we would probably increase the suicide rate in Atlanta, so we shouldn't do that. So she talked me out of it. Now... The great thing about doing this program in the evening is because the news headlines have completely changed in the last couple of hours. So you've listened to all the morning shows, you've listened to the the midday shows, you've listened to the afternoon shows, and the news headlines are completely different now. At least today they are. I did not expect to begin with Pocahontas, but today we have to. We have to begin with Pocahontas because... Pocahontas is the news right now. This is what everyone's talking about. The president had a ceremony today to honor the the Navajo Code um, talkers. These were the Native Americans who, in World War II, they helped the American military by providing a, a language, a Native American, American Indian language, Navajo language, that allowed us to pass codes amongst ourselves without the Germans ever being able to figure them out. It was brilliant uh, what the president, what they did. And the president had an event today at the White House honoring them. Let me play you the audio from the president's event. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Oh, sorry, sorry. That that's well, Leslie Leslie Nielsen there. <laughs> I mean, it could have been that though. It totally could have been that. Instead, instead, it was this from the president of the United States. You because you're very, very special people. You were here long before any of us were here. Although we have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. <laughs> but you know what? I like you, because you are special. You are special people. You are really incredible people. And from the heart, from the absolute heart, we appreciate what you've done, how you've done it, the bravery that you displayed, and the love that you have for your country. Tom, I would say that's as as good as it gets, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Okay, so now here's the thing. The press and the left, but I repeat myself, they wanted to attack the president today over the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They had coordinated since Friday. The left media has been coordinating an attack on the president over the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It was scuttled this morning by the CFPB's own lawyer, who's a huge Democrat. And so they couldn't yell at the president about that. So the president was gracious enough to say this this afternoon so the left could yell at him about something. Now, here's the thing. They're all saying, how dare you do this? How dare you? You racist. How dare you? 
And then they're saying he's undermining and distracting from the code talkers. Well, the media is now completely ignoring the code talkers. The media doesn't want to talk about the code talkers. The media doesn't want to talk about the president honoring the code talkers. All the president, all the media wants to do is talk about the president saying Pocahontas and how racist it was. Well, they asked Sarah Huckabee Sanders about this earlier today at the White Navajo House. Navajo code talkers. He referred to Pocahontas being in the Senate. Why did he feel the need to say something that is offensive to many people? while honoring the Navajo code talkers, these genuine American I think heroes. what most people find offensive is uh, Senator Warren lying about her heritage to advance her career. <laughs> oh, and now they're upset about that. By the way, uh, Elizabeth Warren did lie about her heritage, and many members of the media are trotting her out today to, to attack the president, and they're not even holding her accountable for the fact that she did lie about her heritage. So this is the big scandal in Washington today. This is how the news headlines have changed. I did not expect to come on the radio today to discuss with you Pocahontas. Wasn't in the headlines. And this afternoon, as you are headed home stuck in traffic, post-holiday traffic no less, we've got Pocahontas to deal with. Uh, The whole thing is ridiculous. The media's reaction to this is ridiculous. I don't think it's racist of the president to call Elizabeth Warren, who lied about her heritage, claiming she was American Indian. Uh, I I don't think it's racist of him to say this. If you are of the left, you certainly do. You think it is racist. I don't. What I think is right is Sarah Huckabee Saunders saying, you know, the media never held Elizabeth Warren to account. You know, the Politico is out today with a big story that 2020 is going to be the year of the women again. Every decade or so, there's another year of the women. And it is always liberal women who are OK murdering children. It's got to be every single time the media declares it the year of the woman. It is liberal women who are OK murdering kids. And Elizabeth Warren features prominently in this. She is a hero, a darling of the left media. They have had her all over TV this morning to talk about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, where she lied and misrepresented everything. And they never once called her to account on her American Indian heritage. Well, at least Donald Trump is calling her to account and the media is forced to deal with it. And they're doing their best to not, but they can't help themselves. Um, They can't avoid it. Now, that leads into what should be the big story of the day. And this is the showdown at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The CFPB is a dubious constitutional organization. See, here's the thing. It is well-settled constitutional law and the Constitution itself that there are three branches of government, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. Article 2 is executive, and the president is the chief executive of the United States. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was designed as an organization that the Democrats in Congress tried to make super independent. The CFPB, in fact, is so independent that it doesn't even get its budget from Congress. In fact, members of Congress can't get the CFPB to show up and answer questions because uh, what do they care? They can't be fired by Congress. They can't be fired by the president except for cause. And they don't get their budget from Congress. So there have been members of Congress who have been trying to get them to basically to scuttle the organization, to blow it up. Well, the president looks like he's about to do that. When we come back, Mick Mulvaney now in charge. Maybe a court's going to be involved in this. I'll tell you how it's played out this afternoon, including an amazing press conference from Mick Mulvaney.
25 after the hour. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. This this CFPB thing, I will get there. But I got to deal with Nancy Pelosi and Tim Scott first. Whether you agree or not on the Roy Moore stuff, whether you believe the women or not, the Democrats have been on this moral high horse claiming that, oh, the, the Republicans are so terrible, they won't say anything about Roy Moore. Never mind that Republicans are falling all over themselves to come out and say Roy Moore should drop out of the race, they should uh, do a write-in, do something. Well, Nancy Pelosi went on Meet the Press this weekend. At the same time, Republican Tim Scott from South Carolina was on um, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. Uh, just listen to this audio. I edited this myself. I put this together myself between Tim Scott and Nancy Pelosi on the moral equivocation that's going on here within the Democrats. Well, what I've said in the past, I want to be very clear, is that the allegations are stronger than the denial and that Roy Moore should find something else to do, which was my way of suggesting that he should not be in the race. You, and, and was it one accusation? Is it two? I think there has to be. John Conyers is an icon in our country. Excuse me. Do you believe John Conyers is a I don't know who they are. Do you? They have not really come forward. And, and that gets so to you. you don't know if you believe the accusations? What, that's for the Ethics Committee to review. So you think he should step down at this point? I certainly think that there is a strong possibility with a new candidate, a new Republican candidate, a proven conservative, that we can win that race in Alabama. And it is in the best interest of the country, as well as the state of Alabama, from my perspective, for Roy Moore to find something else to do. You've got Democrats coming out today defending John Conyers as an icon. Never mind he entered into a legally binding settlement with a woman using your taxpayer dollars to make it happen. Think about that for a minute. I mean, th this is this is not some sort of made-up story about John Conyers. This is legit, and it's happened in the last few years. The Roy Moore stuff happened decades ago, 40 years ago. And the Democrats are falling all over themselves. You know, you know, Al Franken came out today and had a press conference saying he's going to stick around. I think Roy Moore should have a press conference. And he should get the transcript from Al Franken's press conference. And substituting Alabama for Minnesota and his name for Al Franken's name, he should read Al Franken's statement word for word and make it his own. He should do that. He totally should do that. And if nothing else, call out the Democrats on their hypocrisy. Now, the polling in Alabama still shows it looks like the Democrat has an advantage. I got to tell you, though, if Roy Moore pulls this off, I am a firm believer Republicans should leave him in the Senate because he will have bested them and the voters will have decided. The voters are going to be the jury of Roy Moore's peers. And if they decide they want him in the Senate, the Republicans should stand back and let him be there. Whether they want him there or not, they should do it. That would just bring the pain Cause things can't stay the same These holidays won't be wonderful From now on Our troubles will be out of sight It's 39 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. We are playing the Christmas music that so many of you demanded. I give it another 27 or so seconds before I get tired of it. Nonetheless, we're doing it. So, Clark's Christmas Kids begins Thursday. It is that time of year. 
And this is an Atlanta tradition. It's not just WSB. It's an Atlanta tradition. Clark's Christmas Kids. So what is it? For those of you who don't know, you may be new to the station. WSB and Clark Howard team up with St. Vincent de Paul, Georgia, and they work together to provide Christmas presents for foster kids. There are a lot of kids in foster care in this state, and not all of them are going to get Christmas presents. And we do our absolute best to try to get every single one of them something for Christmas. You go, I, 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 I don't think I'm scheduled this year to participate. Last year I did it in Peachtree City. And you come in and there are, there are sheets that have all the kids who are in foster care in Georgia and what they want for Christmas. And you can pick. You can buy everything on the list or one thing on the list. But you're going to give a kid in foster care who may not otherwise get a present, you're going to be able to give them a present and make Christmas great again for them. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> so Thursday afternoon, it's going to be the Walmart in Dunwoody. Friday afternoon, it's going to be in Roswell. Now, we're going to be doing this throughout the next two weeks. You can go to WSBRadio.com. You can find the complete schedule. Y'all, I listen, many of you, well over 5,000 of you, we're willing to use the Resurgence Action Center to call Congress and demand they keep the adoption tax credit. There are 5,000 of you who cared enough to engage at that level. Are there 5,000 of you out there listening to me right now who are willing to provide a toy for a child in foster care for Christmas? I hope so. I hope so. The, the miracle and magic of this Christmas season um, go to Walmart in Dunwoody on Thursday, Friday afternoon in Roswell. We're going to be throughout the area for the next two weeks. This is such a, such a good program. I hope you'll participate. And by the way, every year on this day, the Monday after Thanksgiving, I explain why Christmas is on December 25th. And every year we get flooded with so many people demanding that I redo it again, 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 again. I just, I put it on a podcast. I recorded it. If you want to know, I'm sure you're thinking Saturnalia, Sol Invictus. And it turns out more and more archaeological evidence suggests that Christians actually set Christmas on December 25th before the Romans started doing a holiday on December 25th. And it was the Romans responding to the Christians instead of the other way around, contrary to what you learned in school. If you want all the details, text the word show, S-H-O-W, to 444-999. You can listen to the podcast. Otherwise, at some point this Christmas season, I will do this. Now, back to the CFPB. Mick Mulvaney held a press conference earlier. There are a lot of headlines that uh, Miss English, who was Richard Cordray's appointment for the CFPB, showed up for work today along with Mick Mulvaney. That's not true. She didn't bother going to the office today. And I want to play you the audio from Mulvaney's press conference because he is a huge critic of the organization, uh, really thinks it's terrible, and he's right. Here's Mick Mulvaney earlier today. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. I'll, I'll talk about my previous statements about the bureau. How about that? Is that? Uh, um, yeah, my 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 opinion of the structure of the CFPB has not changed. Um, I still think it's an awful example of a bureaucracy uh, that has gone wrong when it is almost entirely unaccountable to the people that uh, are supposed to oversee it or are supposed to pay for it. Uh, I still have the same fundamental principled misgivings about the way this bureau is structured. I think it is wrong to have a completely unaccountable uh, federal bureaucracy. I think it's completely wrong. By the way, I'm just learning about the powers that I have as acting director. They would frighten most of you. Um, they would probably uh, worry you to think about how little oversight Congress has over me, 
now as I'm the director. How little uh, oversight um, the uh, co uh, committees have over how CFPB functions. Um, if you, if you, I think if you, if you really studied um, the, the constitutional nature of our government, you study the way that the bureaucracy is supposed to work. It would, it would both frighten and disturb you that this agency is as independent as as it is. Um, and it doesn't surprise me, by the way, that this, you know, to the extent we're having a succession challenge, um, as as uh, lodged by Ms. Uh, Ms. Ms. English, it doesn't surprise me that that grows out of an agency um, that thinks it's not accountable to anybody in the first place. So no, none of that, that has changed. You know, the Democrats structured the CFPB intentionally to try to avoid the separation of powers, and they can't do that in our constitutional system. Now, I realize that's inconvenient for them, but there's nothing they can do under our constitutional system sort short of amending the Constitution. By the way, that reminds me, Joy Reid, who is an anchor on MSNBC, has declared that rural America is a core threat to our democracy. Why? Because states that in, are considered rural have more votes in the Senate than states that are considered urban. And as a result, uh, that's a core threat to our democracy. That's the way the founders designed the system, to stop a tyranny by the majority. And that's why the CFPB fails constitutionally. In fact, the federal courts have already said it's structured improperly. We'll get into that when we come back so you understand the story and why the stakes are so big with it. And I, you know, I'm discovering something by making Andrew play the Christmas music. Uh, I'm required to do time management because I can't like have an extended monologue and then have a 30 second return. <laughs> oh my goodness. Y'all the Fayette County Republican party chairman wants you to know that when people in the media wear purple, they are engaging in mind control efforts. Yes, this is the, the Fulton County, Georgia Republican Party. Yes, yes, the Fulton County Republican Party. Y'all, I'm just, I don't know what's going on here, but this is, a, this is, so he sent out an email. And let me just read you. Observe closely as you watch the pundits in the media. They have a silent signal that they send out to one another. They wear purple. The men wear purple neckties and the women have increased their purchases of purple garments. It's called subliminal messaging. The media in America have succumb, has succumbed to this progressive ideology and is poisoning our society by making listeners believe they are truth tellers. When in fact, ooh, that is a bad, I mean, truth tellers, period. When in fact, they are bought and paid for by a faceless group of global elites, period. Buy a package of Grammarly.com, buddy. The media's job is to help lead this country down the path of spiritual, moral, and social decadence and destruction by feeding us a daily regime of lies and deceitful rhetoric. The concept is known simply as mind control. This is Tyrone Jones, the chairman of the Fayette County Republican Party, who actually it's a blog. He put it on a blog, not an email. 
So if you are wearing purple, my friends, if you are wearing purple and you are in the media, you are engaging in mind control. Y'all, we had the Bilderberger meeting last week and they said it was green. I have invested in green ties, green shirts, and even a green jacket looking like I'm playing at the freaking Masters because green was going to be the mind control color. And now suddenly it's purple. Nobody sent me the memo. How am I supposed to be effective at this mind control stuff when nobody sends me the memo that it's supposed to be purple and not green? And now I've got all this green stuff. I don't even want to look like the jolly green giant. I'm supposed to look like the gray babe instead. What? I'm just failing here. This is, ah, thank you, Tyrone Jones, for letting me know that I'm, apparently they changed it from the Bilderberger meeting. I'm, I'm desperately angry right now. At all of my, my Zionist conspiracists and the Bilderbergers. I, I need to join the Illuminati instead. That's what I need to do. When we come back, oh my goodness, you thought the show was over? No. African slavery is on the rise thanks to Hillary Clinton. Yes, this is a true fact. It is Hillary Clinton's fault. You may not like to believe it, but it's true, and I will tell you why it's true when we come back. I am getting sick. I can feel it. Uh, my kids are both sick already. My mother-in-law got sick over Thanksgiving. I can feel it. So, and I think it's the change in weather. I'm sure you wanted to know. If I start, like, microphone goes dead, it's because I'm having a coughing fit. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I am not wearing purple, so I probably can't control your mind right now, but I'll, I will do my best to tell you what to think because, <laughs> you know, that's what they say about talk radio is we tell you guys what to think, not not give you topics, but just we tell you what to think. Nonetheless, I, I'll endeavor. Also, housekeeping note, um, Clark's Christmas Kids, you want to be a part of this. You want to go to the Walmart in Dunwoody on Thursday or the one in Roswell on Friday and buy a present for a child in foster care. This isn't mind control. This is the right thing to do. Help kids in foster care. Clark's Christmas Kids, Thursday, Friday. You can go to WSPRadio.com. You can get the full schedule. And I am now going to give you the brief synopsis of why Christmas is on December 25th. For the full version, text the word SHOW to 444-999 and get the podcast. I put all the details here. Basically, you grew up saying, believing, being taught that the Romans had Saturnalia, which was a festival in December, and then Sol Invictus, which is the festival of the Feast of the Unconquered Sun on December 25th. And Christians co-opted it uh, because they were co-opting local holidays, and they wanted to co-opt uh, this Feast of the Unconquered Sun, saying the Unconquered Sun is Jesus, and so we're going to put Christmas on December 25th. Well, more and more evidence shows that Christians had actually set Jesus' birthday by the year 200 A.D., and Aurelian, the emperor Aurelian, did not impose the Feast of the Unconquered Sun as as an imperial cult until about 78 years later. And it looks more and more, based on archaeological evidence that's been discovered in the last decade, that he was doing it in response to the Christians, not the other way around. Now, why were the Christians so focused on December 25th. 
if it had nothing to do with Roman holidays. Because Christians did not celebrate birthdays. Birthdays were a Roman tradition. And Christians at the time worked very hard to not celebrate anything they considered pagan, including birthdays. The reason December 25th was set as Jesus' birthday is because Christians were interested in when he died, because his death and resurrection were what mattered and what still mattered to Christianity. The death and resurrection define Christianity. The resurrection defines Christianity. Read Paul. And so Tertullian, in about 200 AD, the, the, the great apologist of the Christian faith, he wanted to figure out when Jesus was, was, was crucified. And he arrived at the date of the 25th of March on the modern calendar. 15 Nisan would be the 25th of March. Now, where, how do we get December 25th from there? Well, because there was a mystical Jewish belief that had carried over into early Christianity that a prophet died on the same date he had been conceived. So if Jesus died on March 25th, then he had to have been conceived on March 25th. Fast forward nine months, where do you land? December 25th. That is how early Christianity came up with Christmas on December 25th. And it looks more and more, based on more and more evidence that's been uncovered in archaeological digs and whatnot, that Emperor Aurelian, when he set December 25th as the imperial cult day for Saul Invictus, the Feast of the Unconquered Sun, he was responding to the rise of Christianity in the empire, uh, not the other way around. Now, if you want the, the greater version, because there was a separate method that early Christians used, and they arrived at the same time as Tertullian, uh, text the word SHOW to 444 You can get the full podcast on why Christmas is December 25th. Now, the other reason I bring up why Christmas is December 25th is because there is a story of the Daily Beast right now offering up a compromise on the gay wedding cake fight. Uh, it's by a guy named Jay Michelson. I don't know him. And it has massive facts that are wrong. For example, let me, let me read you the opening to this story. The facts are straightforward, he writes. Jack Phillips is the owner and chief baker of Masterpiece Cake Shop and a religious conservative Christian. When David Mullins and Charlie Craig visited the bakery for wedding cake, Phillips turned them down. He won't do cakes for same-sex weddings. That is not true. Jack Phillips, I wrote a whole book about this called You Will Be Made to Care. Jack Phillips offered to provide a cake for the same-sex wedding. What he refused to do was to provide customizations. You see, Phillips, in order to keep costs down for people so they can get married, he pre-makes wedding cakes that anybody can buy. And then they can do put their own uh, toppers on top of or do their own special customizations. But he's a famous cake artist. And to keep costs down so people can still use him, he pre-makes these cakes. And he told them they could have one of these pre-made cakes. He sells them to anyone. They can do with it as they will. But he wasn't going to put a same-sex topper on one of his cakes because he was a Christian. They could do it themselves. And so they sued him. And Phillips was compared to the Nazis by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, saying what he did was Nazi-like. By refusing to put a same-sex topper on a wedding cake, he was willing to sell a gay couple. That is one of the very many factual falsehoods in the story. And now listen to this one. Um, this is just astonishing that anyone who knows anything about Christianity would actually write this. Never mind that Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, clearly instructing his followers to obey the secular law 
even if they have religious objections to it. What this guy is claiming is that Jesus instructed his followers to obey the secular law even if they have religious objections to it. I'm sure that would have shocked Peter, who was crucified upside down, or Paul, who was beheaded, or Polycarp, who was, uh, they attempted to burn him alive, except he, the fire didn't take, so they stabbed him through the heart, or Clement, who was tied to an anchor and thrown into the sea, or any of the hundreds of thousands of other Christians in the early church who were fed to lions, disemboweled, beheaded, or burned at the stake because they refused to burn incense to the emperor. Amazing the level of ignorance. And this, this guy writes for a national media publication and is reporting this as if it's, if it's fact. And people are going to read this who don't know their history, and they're going to believe that that's true. They're going to believe that, oh, Jesus said that, that's what he meant, which is absolutely not true. And there's not actually even a liberal Christian church out there who would say that. Um, this is a fight that's coming before the Supreme Court in the next couple of weeks. And there's all sorts of uh, arguments out there trying to shift the court in that direction, including the New York Times saying that um, we shouldn't allow the First Amendment to allow religious Christians to opt out of cultural fights. Seriously, they argued that. starting to wonder about some of these musical selections and they're all in my cart for Christmas music. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK Them's the numbers. Have you heard about Denzel Washington? The left is angry with Denzel Washington. Why? Because he there's a movie premiere. I've never even heard of this movie. Roman Israel Esquire. He plays a young ambitious lawyer and the media asked him about the criminal justice system, and this is his direct quote. It starts at home. It starts at home. It starts with how you raise your children. If a young man doesn't have a father figure, he'll go find a father figure. So, you know, I can't blame the system. It's unfortunate that we make such easy work for them. I grew up with guys who did decades in prison, and it had as much to do with their fathers not being in their lives as it had to do with anything with the system. By the time we got to 13, 14, different things happened. Now, I was doing just as much as they were, but they went further. I just didn't get caught, but they kept going down that road, and then they were in the hands of the system. But it's about the formative years. You're not born a criminal. And people are upset. People are upset. In fact, the director of the movie uh, says basically that it's it's there's something that's done. It's not racially equal. And, and here comes Denzel Washington, a black actor, and says dads matter. And dads not in the home have a lot to do with this. And we need to take seriously dads in the home. You know, we need to take seriously mothers and fathers. Moms and dads are not interchangeable. They both have a role to play. I saw on Twitter a bunch of actors are celebrating. Someone in Hollywood has put out a nativity scene and it has two Josephs. There's no Mary, uh, a, a gay pride nativity. But you know, moms and dads matter. Uh, a, a child that is raised in the best home is raised in a home with a mother and a father. Now, unfortunately, not every kid gets that opportunity. 
but let's not dance around the fact that it's still the most stable environment for a kid. And Denzel Washington is right. The poll number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Slavery is on the rise in Africa out of Libya. Now, why are black Africans being sold in open-air slave markets in Libya? Because Muammar Gaddafi is no longer in charge. He's dead. He's killed because Hillary Clinton convinced Barack Obama to overthrow him. And slavery is, as a result, on the rise. Now, you will recall that Gaddafi, back in the early 2000s, was trying to build a nuclear weapons program. And George W. Bush negotiated an agreement that Gaddafi would give up his weapons of mass destruction and be able to stay in power. Not only did Gaddafi give up his weapons of mass destruction, but he went to work as an American ally, largely because he had the hots for Condoleezza Rice, if you can believe it. Yeah, seriously. And started rounding up Al-Qaeda operatives in North Africa and handing them over to the United States. Well, the Obama administration, with the backing of Hillary Clinton, with the pushing, the urging of Hillary Clinton, decided that they needed to get rid of Gaddafi, that the Arab Spring wasn't taking hold in, in Libya, and he needed to go. So they went into Libya, and they killed Muammar Gaddafi. And al-Qaeda and ISIS moved in and set up shop because Gaddafi was no longer there. The nation has been divided bitterly. Um, there's no one there to keep the peace. And he was a brutal dictator. Don't get me wrong. He's no hero. But with this happening... Now, slavery's come back, and Africans who have very dark skin, who are in Libya, are in danger of regularly being kidnapped and sold into slavery. First of all, y'all, think about that. Slavery still exists in the world. Slavery exists. And it has grown because the Obama administration, on the urging of Hillary Clinton, encouraged the destabilization of Libya. And, you know, you liberals can come up with every excuse you want, but you cannot deny that that happened. You can say Gaddafi got what he deserved, but there was no slave trade in Libya when Gaddafi was there. There was no ISIS headquarters in Libya when Gaddafi was there. There was no Al-Qaeda headquarters in Libya when Gaddafi was there. He was a terrible, brutal dictator. Let's not dance around the fact. But American interests were well-served, and slavery was not an issue. And it is now because of Hillary Clinton. Ponder those facts. You should dwell on those facts. Because Barack Obama's foreign policy does not get exposed enough for the failures it was. It really was a failure. Russia became emboldened because of Barack Obama. China emboldened because of Barack Obama. North Korea emboldened because of Barack Obama. Hezbollah emboldened because of Barack Obama. Iran emboldened because of Barack Obama. 
Al-Qaeda and ISIS in North Africa emboldened because of Barack Obama. The Taliban emboldened because of Barack Obama. The left is so vested in protecting the legacy of Barack Obama that they refuse to confront historic fact. Hopefully, Republicans won't do the same after Trump, although given the way things are going, I suspect they will. Now, real quick, I want to shift gears dramatically. Well, not too dramatically because it's still in Africa. There are a lot of you listening to this program, and I know um, not everyone who listens to this program agree with me. In fact, I hear from a ton of you who vehemently disagree with me often, and you still listen, and I appreciate it, and I thank you. Many of you right now are having a real hard time in American politics. You don't like Donald Trump. You think he's terrible. You think the country's in the gutter. And there are many of you who do like Donald Trump, and you thought he is rescuing the country and making it great again after eight years of Barack Obama, potentially another eight years of George W. Bush, because you don't like him either. And you think we've essentially turned into the cacistocracy, which is government of the worst people. You think we're a third world kleptocracy. A friend of mine has a friend in Kenya. And his mother has been murdered in Kenya. This friend, I don't know the guy, but he was in poverty. And through hard work, his own ingenuity, skills, uh, providential, divine intervention, luck, however you want to call it, he was able to get himself out of poverty was able to get money, was able to get a job, was able to buy a house, and moved his mother out of poverty into this house with him. And this weekend, his mother was murdered by the police. By the police. Why was his mother murdered by the police? Because the son opposes the government and spoke out against the government. And the police showed up to kill him and he wasn't home, so they killed his mother instead true story. There will be no ramifications for the police. They will get away with it because they are in the pocket of the government. So when you're out there yelling angrily about President Bush or Obama or Trump, I want you to remember how lucky you have it to live in this country of many blessings and much stability, whether you think it is or not, because of your partisan viewpoint. We are still an awesome country and are fortunate to be here. Well, that's a good one. Just when I was about to put the kibosh on all this, we play a good one. (laughs) The phone number, well, you know, there's just not enough time to take a phone number. Shirley Franklin, Caesar Mitchell. Uh, and and uh, Peter Amon and others are coming out for Mary Norwood. I don't know that it's going to do any good, and I realize most of you live outside the city of Atlanta, but it is very interesting to see this. For the longest time, for the last 40 years or so, Atlanta has refused to elect a white person mayor. Um, every mayor we've had has been black, um, and that's fine. They're okay. But at this point now, there are people within the Democratic Party in Atlanta who believe that there has to be a black mayor or else, uh, which is largely nonsensical. It should be based on the qualifications of the person, not on the color of their skin. And Mary Norwood is much more pro-business than her opponent. 
So you got Shirley Franklin. I think it's very interesting, the number of members of Atlanta City Council and now former Mayor Shirley Franklin who have come out for Mary Norwood, who's perceived as the Republican in the nonpartisan race. I don't know anything about Mary Norwood. Uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, that, that's the opponent. She, she is much more liberal, um, not nearly as friendly to businesses or the Chamber of Commerce. Um, Kasim Reed has come out for her. Uh, it's so funny. I was talking to somebody who works at City Hall, and there are some of them who are just convinced. There's no evidence for this, none whatsoever. But they are convinced um, that there was some promise to protect um, Mayor Reed when he leaves office, from what I have no idea. But, you know, there have been so many arrests down there at City Hall and, and corruption scandals and whatnot. There's just everyone is convinced that everyone else is involved in it. I, I doubt Kasim Reed is. Um, he didn't strike me as, as that type of person. He's secure enough in his position. I don't think he has to be. Uh, but nonetheless, the rumor mill swirls, and this is fascinating, that Shirley Franklin would come out for Mary Norwood. Um, that race is coming up uh, very quickly. We will find out soon who the next mayor of Atlanta is going to be. Normally in a runoff, the person who comes in second wins the runoff. Um, so we'll see if that holds up. Uh, that would be my guess is that uh, this isn't going to be enough to get Mary Norwood across the finish line, but we will see. Depends on how North Atlanta turns out, and they're pretty fired up in this race because of the various problems Atlanta's had in the past number of years. All right, we're out of time. I'm sure there will be more on Pocahontas tomorrow as the left continues to be outraged and the Consumer Financial Protection Board as well will be blowing up further tomorrow. So stay tuned here on WSB. Don't forget about Clark's Christmas Kids, folks. Go to wsbradio.com to find the schedule, Help Foster Kids, and you can text the word SHOW to 444-999 to get the podcast. Find out the details on why Christmas is December 25th.